anything like that. I'm a very confident front runner for Caddy for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. Um, how are we going to count all the shots? If you, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course, well, that's, a, that's a particularly stupid question. It's the Irish Open. Of course, we want to play at the weekend. Welcome along, Golf Weekly fans. We reunite once again. Nathan Murphy alongside me in studio. Hello. How's it going? There is much to discuss this week. No Fionn Davenport. He's otherwise engaged. No Peter Laurie either. We've been abandoned. Where's uh, the commitment, Joe? Golf Weekly, it's called. I'm not seeing it. Not, oh, I've just opened up a new driving range. Can't make it today, lads. Mm-hmm. Business is booming. Don't need you anymore. Yeah. A few Golf Weekly listeners, you'll see in the tweets, have been oh, yeah? to Spowell to see wow. Peter Laurie. Wow, so it's working range. again. Yeah. The Golf Weekly Touch. Basically, if we endorse you, you're a millionaire. Which brings us on to our guest today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to his mansion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane Ryan, Slaying the Tiger, is with us. Hello. How you doing, guys? Uh, we've drafted you in. You're, uh, you're kind of co-presenting today. Don't get too excited. There's no fee. I'm very excited, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's hosting, right? That's Irish for co-hosting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to start with some tweets, which is what we do, and then we're going to kick on for a general uh, riff for about 30 minutes on what's going on in the golfing world or what's taking your fancy. So um, own small, first of all. Uh, Lance, surely Sergio should be banned for a few events for unsportsmanlike conduct. Make an example out of him now to make sure nobody does it again. Well, I didn't think anybody was damaging five greens in the first place anyway, but uh, <laughs> we'll come to Sergio in a second. Uh, Dermot O'Reilly, Sergio Garcia is a shithead. Discuss. Hashtag friend of the pod. Uh, Jimmy Harlow, whose actions are worse for the game, Garcia or Simon Dyson? That's an interesting uh, conundrum. Gerald O'Dwyer, uh, everything about this week's Pro-Am at Pebble Beach is excellent. Only downside is Bill Murray acting the fool. Oh, that's harsh on, on Bill, is it? No? You know, I, I agree with him in one way. I've gone off the AT&T Pro-Am. The novelty has worn off because there's, there's no young entertainers anymore, Joe. It's just a, it's just a fact of life anymore. I did so, see a, a video of Nick Fowler trying to interview Clint Eastwood as they walked down the fairway. It was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit awkward. And I love Bill Murray. We all love Bill Murray. Sure. But I'd like to think of Bill Murray as a movie star, not as a average, probably in his 70s now, guy out playing golf. Mm-hmm. Just ruins the mystique. Where are you on the Pro-Am, Shane? Pebble Beach? Yeah, I like the Pro-Am. Um, I, I do agree that the Bill Murray thing is... I, I love Bill Murray, and I think he's you know a great actor, a great comedian, but I think it's like, how long do we have to rely on him as a crutch? Where are the other funny people in the world? Like, let's get Steve Coogan. I mean, let's, let's uh, pilfer your side of the pond. Um, but I will say, you know, Bill Murray continues to be funny, I think. I followed him at the Ryder Cup in Medina a few years ago, and uh, he did a lot of funny things, but my favorite was a kid um, in the gallery. He was walking by, gave him a kickball. Uh, they sold these, like, novelty white kickballs, I'm sure you've seen. Uh, he gave him a kickball design, and Bill Murray took the kickball and punted it, like, into the lake. Which, uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like that's, that's great. That's that is awesome. pretty funny. Like, that's that's better for that kid than any signed kickball would ever be, that memory. Uh, but, yeah, I still think he's got, like, good instincts. But, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, the vast majority of any pro-am, including that one, is awful billionaire businessmen who have committed war crimes uh, and a couple entertainers. You're not even so. exaggerating. <laughs> uh, <right? laughs> no, no, there's a, there was a story that came out you may have seen on Deadspin where actually uh, – 
one of the masterminds of the Indonesian genocide from the 60s plays in pro-ams in California with all his kids and stuff. So that's that's a true story. That's probably the most egregious example, but I don't think you have uh, the best of humanity in pro-ams typically. Okay. He has come up with a great idea, though, of maybe doing the trip to golf. If you've got Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden, maybe to go to cover a golf tournament and just do impressions of everybody there. Yeah, and you could even have a segment where nobody knows who Rob Bryden is and, you know, the, the <laughs> nobody in America. I love him. Don't get me wrong. The Trip movies are awesome, but I think that would be a, a cool novelty. Have these you are, seen The Trip? These are great ideas, guys. Have you seen great, The Trip? Great, ideas. Uh, yeah. Yeah, big fan. Have uh, you seen The Trip to Italy? Have you seen The Trip to Spain? I've seen There's all the trips. There's, There's a new one. There's a new one coming out. There's a new one coming out. The Trip to yeah. Greece. Okay, great. Yeah, no, good. Uh, I just feel like, you know that European tour video where the players come up with terrible ideas? I feel like I'm suddenly in an episode of that with you two. Wow. Sorry, is that harsh? Wow. Um, the Bill Murray <laughs> being a crutch thing is an issue. And it's something the European tour suffer with as well. Anyone who's remotely funny, i.e. Beef Johnson, mm. I mean, they over you. They, they rinse beef for everything he's worth. Eddie Pepperell is the new beef. Is that right? He definitely is. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrington in touch then. Who he went to Peter Laurie's. Um, Peter Laurie's a former European Tour golfer, regular here on the show, Shane, and he's opened up a new driving range. So Colin uh, went and enjoyed the facilities. Place looks great. A uh, few more targets, and we're laughing. He wants a few more targets to aim at. Uh, Aaron Grantham. Oh, this is on the leaving in the pin business. Great podcast team. Thanks on the subject of leaving the pin in and out for amateurs. I recently experienced the worst side of that, where additional time was taken to take the pin out and then put it back in, depending on preference. Nightmare. This is exactly what we spoke about last week. Yeah. In, out, in, out, in, out. Just delaying <laughs> things. Get it over with quickly, Joe. That's what people are looking for here. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Kieran Woods, uh, loving the back nine of the Phoenix Open. Does anyone want to win it? Yeah, we'll get on to that in a second. Uh, great pod this week. When will we be discussing a North Korean tour stop on the back of Saudi Arabia? Uh, Jade Dubai and Nathan enjoyed the working the shaft discussion uh, last week. Said it was the highlight of the pod. Fionn did love working the shaft. Yeah. And then uh, Paul doing a uh, flag in for amateurs helping to speed on my rounds. It allows chipping and putting at the same time in a group. It's encouraging ready golf. Well, that's good. And then finally for the tweets for the time being, Owen Murphy, Bryson DeChambeau, may have his own unique approach to the game, but I just find it too mechanical. He thinks he's revolutionized the game, when in fact he's just a slow player who was boring to watch, and Kepka was right to criticize him. They are your tweets. We're talking about the week's golf next. So Shane Ryan, where do you want to start? I suppose if we're reflecting on 29 thus far, the uh, great pity the great pity of 29 thus far, 19 thus far is that we don't have footage of Sergio Garcia hacking up each of the five greens in Saudi Arabia. We just have him losing his mind in a bunker, which admittedly is excellent, but I feel like we've been robbed of these five greens. Yeah, I mean, that just shows, I think, that you're a little bit credulous if you don't believe that the European Tour not only has this footage, but they're sitting on it and I think probably using it as a subtle threat uh, to Sergio <laughs> to act correctly or else this is coming out. We're going to show you dragging your foot or gouging it or whatever he did. That's an actual conspiracy on <laughs> theory on golf Twitter. Uh, and the official story is the sky cameras weren't going that early because Sergio was out. But mm. I don't know. I, uh, as an American, I really think we should lean toward the conspiracy theory first. 
the story I, I had I had just forgotten or maybe I hadn't seen it in the first place that Sergio back in Miami a number of years ago had spat in the cup mm. when he missed a short putt. Uh, he's a petulant man. I was going to say a petulant young man, but he's now in his 40s, Nathan. Yeah, uh, the whole thing is bizarre, firstly, when it started to come out last Saturday morning. And also, frankly, disgraceful. How he has got away with this, with no reprimand. All right, disqualified from the tournament from a place he clearly didn't even want to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. But when you consider some of the little misdemeanors that have happened over the past couple of weeks, and it takes them nothing to... Smack down on the little guy. There's no question if this was your average journeyman, if this was a 17-year-old Chinese player, he's getting banned for six months. He's getting banned for a year. And it's a massive missed opportunity from the European Tour. Maybe Sergio Sergio is the most popular guy out on the European Tour. Maybe there's a lot of love from, from the other senior figures, and if you were to go for Sergio, there'd be consequences. Yeah. But, like, how many chances does one guy need? You, from a golfing point of view and from just a personality point of view, you mentioned the spitting in the cup. The fried chicken comment. He's done very well to come back from that. Mm. There's a lot of things stacking up that suggest that he's not petulant. He's just not a good guy. Mm. Yeah, the evidence is mounting. I, I, from a European tour perspective, Shane, you just have to presume that they feel banning Sergio from their events and he'll just go off and play a PGA PGA Tour event that week. The European Tour will just feel like, well, look, we're desperate to have all these guys anytime we have them. Uh, So it's self-serving to ban a global star like Garcia. But I can't see why he hasn't been banned for an event or two or at least hit with a massive, massive fine. Yeah, I mean, they're cowards, really. That's what it comes down to. Uh, It's They're in a, a weak financial position compared to the PGA Tour. And, you know, probably generally, I think the European tour is, it seems like they survive on Ryder Cup revenues every few years. But yeah, I mean, the guy destroyed greens. It's, I mean, imagine even if you did that on a municipal course, if you were a regular golfer, you'd probably be banned for a lifetime. Uh, I think the European tour for sure should be banning him. I think it's embarrassing. Um, You mentioned the fried chicken comment. I was just thinking it's, Really good for Sergio that he said that when he did. Imagine if he said that a year ago. Uh, (laughs) The fallout would be so much different, and rightfully so. Um, I've liked Sergio every time I've talked to him, but it just shows like when his emotions go up, he's really kind of a jerk. Uh, I think petulant is the right word. The sense of entitlement it must take to feel like, you know, the conditions aren't pristine. And so you're actually going to destroy Mm. uh, part of a golf course and, and, you know, make it worse for your fellow competitors and everything like that. It's just kind of astounding in golf. And, you know, we mentioned the Simon Dyson thing where he had, I think it was a suspended ban for two years, but it was a really big deal. uh, Even if he wasn't practically banned, if if what he did, which is tapping down a, a spike mark, merits that, how is there not at least a year ban uh, for the European tour? And I'll say this too, the PGA tour uh, shouldn't allow in this hypothetical case, shouldn't allow themselves to be the fallback. If the European tour did something like that, I think the PGA tour in solidarity should also say you're banned from here. You're not just going to skip here, uh, skip over Mm. to America and play there. Yeah. It's very, it is a, it is a real cop out. I mean, your point about a ban for life, if one of us did it is probably quite Mm. true. I don't know if you're familiar with Lawrence Donegan, Shane. He's um, over in the US now. Uh, he's been a journalist. He's been a caddy. He's been a musician, a uh, golf writer, and uh, always a very interesting yeah. commentator. Yeah. He made the yeah, point. He... Sorry, yeah? Oh, I was just going to say, Lawrence Donegan, I, I like him a lot. He was always really nice to me. 
He recommended um, a great Indian restaurant in Glasgow when I visited. And then a few months ago, I, I was like, I haven't heard from Lawrence Donegan in a while. And I checked his Twitter and I'm blocked <laughs> from his Twitter. Is that right? So okay. I, I have no idea why either because I really like him and I thought he liked me. I almost – he has a podcast too and I was really close to going on it and something happened where it got canceled the day of back in 2014. But – yeah, I was like, oh, I, I don't know what happened there. He oh, doesn't no. like me now. Right, okay. well, well, I suspect, uh, Shane, we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that aside, he made um, an interesting point when we talk about the sky cameras or no cameras picking up what Sergio did mm. across five different greens. Uh, I also share a scepticism about that. I find that surprising that pretty much every shot isn't being covered, especially when there's marquee players like Sergio out. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is no footage. But, but Donegan made the point that you know, there are no journalists out there covering golf anymore. So, like, these players are never held to account in any great way. Is that similar story on the PGA Tour? Are the, the golfing correspondents at uh, newspapers, national and regional, uh, amongst the first to be cut in the last decade or so, Shane? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in golf it's been particularly true for a long time. Uh, even what we saw Martin Dempster do, um, which is go out and take photos. And I think he had a source on the European tour that told him that he's really the only reason we know it was five separate greens. Um, okay. Otherwise, I think Sergio said a couple of greens in his statement, and yeah. the European tour was just pretty quiet in general. Without Martin Dempster, we wouldn't even know that. Um, I would say on the PGA tour, there probably would not have been a Martin Dempster unless Alan Shipnuck happened to be at the tournament or something, uh, or a very small handful of people uh, had happened to be there which, you know, most of them tend to only be at majors. So in this case, it probably, you know, would not have happened. Yeah, yeah it's a big problem. Uh, access is a problem. Um, the fact that golf is an individual sport where players persist over decades. And so if you piss one of them off, you are you could be screwed for a career, unlike a team sport yeah. where, you know, you have everybody else, you have the coaches, and eventually they're going to leave anyway. Um, but yeah, I do think it's a really big thing, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. There needs to be uh, more boldness in golf journalism, particularly in America, uh, and there needs to be a better eye toward um, the political aspect of things. Mm. And you know, aside aside from Sergio Garcia's antics, I personally believe it was absurd to have a tournament in Saudi Arabia in the first place. Um, you know, we had Matt Kuchar's thing with tipping the Mexican caddy a few weeks ago. I think there needs to be more discussion about this stuff and more. Uh, more honest sort of accountability measures um, for the players, for the tours, for the organizing bodies, whoever whoever's involved. Mm. It's funny you mentioned the numbers covering golf tournaments. I saw a photograph, and, and maybe it's not that unusual because it's Hawaii, but Jordan Spieth was doing a press conference for the Sony Open, and it was up on the PGA Tour page. And the room, there was about six journalists. And I was thinking, oh my God, you would love to be there, that yeah. you've got Jordan Spieth, and there's only six journalists in the room getting half an hour with Spieth. And then actually you think back to... Well, we cover the Irish Open every year. Rory McIlroy sits down, probably 10 journalists in the room for the biggest star in the game. Yeah. There's not this huge widespread interest where there's an overflowing press box because, like any big sporting event, yeah. actually you can generally get to ask questions if you want to go, but yeah. then the other side of it is what questions do you want to ask if you're there no, it's true. on a regular basis. Funnily enough, on Sergio, he was uh, before the media in Saudi Arabia ahead of the tournament and obviously the controversy the week before was about how Tung Lee and lining up the putt and he was asked about Keith Pelly coming out and making the statement and very much backing the player and he said yeah I mean it's always nice for Keith to look after us but at the same time you know you got to be careful because if you start making exceptions here and there 
then where do you stop? Oh. <laughs> wow. Sergio, he loves the rules. What can you say? Well, it's interesting you bring up Simon Dyson because we spoke about it on the podcast last week with Peter Laurie, who was part of the rules committee. So there's two sides of it for Simon Dyson. His career has obviously suffered massively. Yeah. But he's also been completely ostracized yeah. on the tour. He's a pariah. There's no sense from this at all that when Sergio returns, and maybe I'm totally wrong and maybe it'll play out differently, mm. but there's no sense that when Sergio rocks up next week at Riviera that people will be going, oh, Sergio, have you let the entire game down? Yeah, that's an interesting point. That it's just he moves on. Like, what? When you think about it, it looked, from, certainly from some of the pictures that Martin Dempster took, it looked as though he took a wedge to the green. It what? looked as though he took a good, like a, like a Sam wedge and just took a good chunk out of it. Well, if it was anything close to the mood he was in around the bunker footage, he was in fairly destructive mood. Well, just, sorry, just on that as well, it, so in terms of fines and that. So his issue with the bunker was that the bunker hadn't been raked correctly, it seemed to be. And I remember a few years ago playing in the Pro-Am for the Ladies Irish Open and talking to the caddy of the pro we were with and he was raking the bunker and I was chatting about it and he said that at that stage the fine for not raking the bunker correctly on the ladies European tour was 750 euro mm. and he was saying he would it was multiples of that I think on the European tour for just not raking the because he said listen we're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds here if you don't rake it right and he ends up in a bad yeah. light you could well be costing somebody the tournament. Yeah. So that was the level of fine that was in place for not raking a bunker correctly. And that is seven, eight years ago. Yeah. For take, I, I'm surprised none of the players behind, more of the players behind, haven't come out and said, like, this guy could have screwed up her entire year. Well, come on in, Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Brooks Kepka then. So Popeye himself. I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting next time these two meet because I don't think Sergio is going to say anything to Brooks Kepka's face or his biceps. Uh, interestingly, Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka is now so interesting at the moment, his manager has had to come out and deny that he has prompted or encouraged Brooks Kepka to be so interesting. Ah, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The manager's come out and said, I didn't tell him to do anything. <laughs> it's just Brooks. Uh, so, you know, look, he is called, uh, that's just Sergio acting like a child, he said to the Playing Through podcast. To act like that, disrespect everybody, to act like a child out there, not cool. Not setting a good example, and it's not cool to us, showing us no respect or anybody else. And then... I've just seen this in the last 24 hours, Brooks Kepka. This is ingenious, Shane. I, I, mean, like, I applaud him. Ingenious. So he's talking about slow play. Brooks Kepka won in the Middle East uh, very recently, and he's one of the main offenders. He's, you know, a minute and 45 seconds for a wedge shot. Deschambeau. What did I say? Kepka. Sorry, Deschambeau, yeah. Uh, one minute, 45 seconds for a wedge shot, and, and God knows what else around the greens. Uh, Deschambeau claiming he's figured out how to put on the grain grainy greens and someone said well how do you uh, well how do you do it and he goes no 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 intellectual property rights I ain't sharing that with you I figured that out with my massive brain uh, which was just fantastic but uh, so Bruce Kepke was asked about slow play and had a good cut off Deschambeau and then he's revealed what he's up to so Brooks Kepke now he's a fast player likes to play fast and he said that in the first two three holes when he knows he's with slow players as he said himself often the best players in the world he will deliberately walk slowly to his ball and then he'll go to the portaloo, hang out there for a few minutes no business happens he just hangs out in the portaloo, sits there on his phone and then goes back out his group are then put on the clock and therefore his playing partners have to pick up their pace of play so as Brooks says <laughs> I play two holes slow and then we pay, play the next 16 holes at Brooks pace and that's how I roll honestly if I could give him a standing ovation, I would. It's genius. It's genius, Shane Ryan. 
Yeah, it's really smart, and it's, it's made me like Brooks Kepka immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it, it undid, like, a decade, no, not a decade, but, like, five years of boredom. Um, no, he was great. All those interviews were awesome with Brooks Kepka. It showed real personality. Whether somebody told him to do it or not, uh, I don't think you can really fake that kind of authenticity. And he just seemed smarter than I probably thought he was. Mm. He seemed more at ease, and he seemed more interesting. Um, and I, I actually interviewed Kepka for the book, and it didn't go in because he wasn't really high profile enough at the time. Story of known. his life. You you joined the long list of people in Kepka's black book for that very reason. Yeah, probably. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny when you were talking earlier about you know nobody told him to do it. He probably uh, had the instinct to do it himself. I, I can kind of believe that because. He very clearly keeps, a, a, as you said, like a tally of any journalist who's ignored him. Anytime he's not asked into the press room after a round to do an interview, this is all goes in the mental ledger uh, of Brooks Kepka. And so rather than like convention wine, I think he probably figured out, you know what, if I just share myself a little bit, if I uh, show some honesty and tell some good stories, the best of which was the, the genius uh, get on the clock maneuver. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's really good for him. And I think, you know, all the, all the cool kids on golf Twitter, uh, <laughs> bought it hook, line and sinker. I think everybody like immediately is like, oh, this is, you know, this is intriguing and I want to hear more from Brooks Kepka. Um, so I think he, you know, on a scale of like Dustin Johnson on one end to Rory McIlroy on the other, he just moved away from DJ, uh, and is, is creeping toward the good side of the, uh, interesting spectrum. Yeah. He's at, he's at growing DJ. And if you pick your enemies correctly, there's nothing to lose here. <laughs> it, Harrington has been outspoken his entire career. He's had pops at players along the way and is quite honest about guys who annoyed him when he was playing with them. But, you know, he, he, he knows the guys who he's going to need at different stages. So you gotta, you got to think correctly on this. So maybe DeChambeau comes back to haunt him, but I don't think he's going to have an issue with Sergio. I think it's, no. listen, I'm the real American here. I'm Captain America here now. And you, Mr. European, don't need you. No. So, you mentioned that uh, he might move up the uh, rankings of how many times you're interviewed. Funnily enough, Data Golf have done some of the most fascinating research and something I would never have thought of okay. as to how many interviews players do and whether they're over-interviewed, under-interviewed in comparison to how they're playing. So, they've looked at a player's average score, strokes gained and where they are in tournaments and whether they should be interviewed and whether they are or aren't. And players who are, say, underperforming yet still get interviewed every time. This is amazing. Right? Can I, can I have a guess who's the so most who's the over- most over-interviewed golfer? Are we talking PGA Tour here? So we're talking PGA Tour. I mean, Tiger, obviously. I think Phil. Phil's had a bad year. Phil is in second. Ah. Tiger is way down in about 10th. See, his play has been good enough to merit interviewing. So that's the thing. You've got to think of guys who aren't playing particularly well. Do you well. know what? Do you know who Jordan it is? Jordan Spieth. It's Jordan Rory, Rory, Rory McIlroy. No, Rory McIlroy is 7th. Jordan Spieth, says Shane. Jordan Spieth is 4th. Okay. Hang oh. on now. This is somebody who is a great communicator, a great talker, but has had a real dip in form. But let's just say I wouldn't be surprised if he turned up this week at Pebble Beach of all places, and played very well. Somebody who has a lot of history with Pebble Beach, who's a good talker. Pebble Beach. Pebble (laughs) Beach. Nobody. Dear God. No, give me another. Hang on. Hang on. Don't give the answer. Stop looking at the page upside down trying to get it. No, I'm not. I'm not. So, so, so they can't can't play well. Hasn't been playing particularly well. Who's always interviewed who doesn't play well? A great 
great talker. I mean, I just feel like you're talking about Phil. No. This guy is above yeah. Phil. He's a Ryder Cup player. He's been a Ryder Cup player. Major winner. Major winner. What? What is happening right now? I can't... In his 30s or 40s? Mm, well, he is going to be 40 in the next few months. <laughs> this is so specific. <laughs> so this is a huge year for him. He's going to turn 40. He's going back to Pebble Beach. Gray McDowell. Yes. Oh! Finally. Finally. See, I was going to say him. I was going to say him, but how is he over-interviewed? He's but, not... Is he interviewed a lot? I mean, he doesn't so, like being interviewed. Number of rounds played, 570. Number of interviews, 140. Yeah. Predicted number of interviews, 72. So he's getting interviewed twice as much yeah. as his play suggests he should. Doesn't and you w- said that's only on the European, t- or only on the PGA mm-hmm. I suspect it's only on the PGA Tour. Doesn't he win awards for, like, best cooperator with the with media? The media. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the top 10 won't come as a huge surprise. So Gray McDowell first. Yeah. His play, uh, see, he's had a particularly bad year. He Phil, shouldn't be interviewed at all. Phil Mickelson second. Yeah. Podrick Harrington third. Jordan Speed fourth. Yeah. Ricky Fowler fifth. Roy McIlroy sixth. Davis Love seventh. Lee Westwood eighth. Tiger Woods ninth. And Ian Poulter tenth. Poulter. Yeah. So, then we go to the most under-interviewed. Okay. Uh, you'll, you'll never guess who these are because they're, a lot of them are just journeymen. One of them is King of the Journeymen. King of, who's the king of the journeyman on the PGA Tour, Shane? The guy William who, McGirt. No, no, the guy who literally just gets wheelbarrows of money year after year after year, generally without ever winning until last year. Oh, your man. Oh, um, Howell, Charles Howell. Charles Howell III. He's only been interviewed 63 times, though he should have been interviewed 137 times. <laughs> Second place, and Joe, you, you, like, here, you've got unique insight in this guy. Come on. Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki, In fair yeah. to say Hideki. He's English. Doesn't really speak much English. It's English. It's English. So that's fair enough. Pat Perez. General feeling seems to be Pat Perez doesn't get interviewed because he may some, say something quite libelous. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've also got John Senden, Robert Allenby, who I would like to t- t- talk to on a regular See, basis. There is. It's there, a two-way like, street. Allenby might be saying not today. Yeah. KJ Choi. Grand. Brian Gay. VJ Singh. VJ says turning down a lot of interviews somehow. Yeah. Uh, and then other notable golfers. So. Who, well, Brooks Kepka was interviewed 85 times, should have been interviewed 93 times on so his play. It's about right. See, Brooks know? is probably getting interviewed around majors, but not in regular tournaments where he's just not performing very well. And so Phil's playing and Phil is two under par and just makes the cut. Yeah. You're still going to want to talk to Phil. Whereas if Brooks just about makes the cut previously, until this week, you'd never want to talk to him. Brooks is about to move up that ladder, I think. Um, that is very interesting, yeah. So, uh, few the of the Irish are good talkers. Yeah, the Irish are doing well. Three of the top six. The um, other bits and pieces going on over on the European tour. We won't dwell too much on it. It's not a good field. It's uh, over in Australia and uh, mostly Australians playing it. However, James Nitties has equaled uh, a record which goes back to 1989. Uh, Mark Kalkovecchia. Sorry, it goes back to 2009. He's the 1989 Open champion. Mark uh, Kalkovecchia, most successive birdies on a day in competition. Uh, James Nitties has equaled that. Seven birdies in a row is the record. That's the big headline news out of uh, the... Did you see his, uh, his moustache? I would have thought that was the, the main talking point. headline. No. Uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. What's inter- sorry, what's interesting about yeah. that is it's... So there is actually something interesting about the okay. Vic Open. 
yeah. it's been run concurrently with the women's event. So the men and women are playing at the same time. Okay, nice. Two separate tournaments, but at the same time. Okay, interesting. Um, that is interesting. Uh, Dustin Johnson is the favourite for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Jason Day, second favourite. Jordan Speed, Tony Fino, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson, around 25 to 1, as is Adam Scott, who is always putting with the pin in it at the moment, Adam Scott. Uh, did well last week. Uh, Ches Reeves, or the week before. Ches Reeves there, Brandon Grace, who finished second to Ricky Fowler. Shane Larry's there, 33 to 1. Ricky Fowler, uh, well, I mean, the Phoenix Waste Management Open. I know everyone's in Super Bowl mode, Shane, so you're forgiven if you didn't see it, but it looked like he was going to squander a five shot lead. Uh, the 11th was the amazing moment where he takes his penalty drop, walks away for a few minutes, and then his ball rolls into the hazard. And he has a discussion with uh, PGA Tour rules official, this is his real name, Slugger White. And Slugger says, I'm sorry, you have to take another drop. And um, But for Brandon Grace blowing up himself on the 17th, Ricky Fowler would have blown another tournament. 30 years of age now, Ricky Fowler. This is just his fifth win, Shane. Yeah, yeah, Ricky. Uh, I, you know, I actually thought he did a pretty good job coming back from that. Uh, I was impressed because it really did. The narrative was pretty set in stone, it seemed like, after 11, that this is going to be an, yet another disappointment. Um, there's like a sub narrative you might not know about, but he's never won in front of his grandfather, who was a huge influence on him. Uh, and his grandfather was there again in Phoenix, uh, and he had blown it in Phoenix in front of his grandfather either, I think like two years ago or last year. Uh, so yeah, so it was a great win for Ricky. I, Ricky Fowler is one of those guys now that I think fairly or not, his career is going to be defined by whether or not he wins a major. Uh, he's Basically, like, uh, kind of probably like what Sergio was like at his age at this point. Mm. Um, but even maybe a little worse, because I think Sergio had a few more wins. And not only has Ricky Fowler not won a major, but he he does seem to have problems winning even the, the rank and file sort of events. Um, so, yeah, a great win for him. Um, I think that's probably an extremely hard thing to do in any sport, but especially in golf, where it seems like you work so hard to get in a position where you have a chance to win and then a silly or unlucky mistake kind of seems like it's going to tank everything for you. Uh, so that showed a lot of resilience from him and hopefully it, it bodes well for this year and for his future. But, you know, we've, we've seen Ricky kind of the way he won the players championship a couple of years ago. Uh, these little signs that things are turning and that he might win a big event, uh, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully this is the year. Mm. I'd say he was glad Johnny Miller retired on Saturday night, considering <laughs> his previous victory was it at the Honda Classic, where Miller absolutely destroyed him for the entire back nine. Uh, the statistics around Fowler at the weekend, and just in general, are ridiculous. Right. The worst ever strokes gained tee to green in the final round by a PGA Tour winner since the stat was created. And it's not even close. Right. So the worst round any winner on a PGA Tour has put together. Uh, first time in nine tries when he's held a 36-hole lead on the PGA Tour, he's won. Closed out the 54-hole lead for only the second time in seven attempts. His 74 was the highest final round score ever to win the Phoenix Open. And he is still, and this is probably the most damning one, he's still yet to post a subpar score with a lead on a Sunday. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So, like, look, he can take a lot from this win, but in other ways, he can't take that much. He still hasn't gone out on a Sunday and done it. There's nothing that he has shown in his last few wins that suggests if he's in contention with four holes to go yeah. of a US Open or an Open Championship, that he has the nerve to, to hold on. Yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, 74 to Brandon Grace's 69 on the last day. Um, as we begin to wrap up, Shane, some of the stories, uh, Justin Rose still looks very good. Tiger Woods came out and he's easing back into it. He's going to pay, play Riviera, I think, 
next week. Uh, McElroy is kind of uh, trending in the same direction as he was last year. We're all gearing up for Augusta, especially Tiger and Rory, you feel. That's going to define the first quarter of their, se their season because nothing else looks likely to just now. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, yeah, Tiger, the big thing is, you know, last year was so improbable, I thought. Uh, and now the question is, can he sustain it? Can he kind of consolidate everything he, he fought for last year uh, and continue to be one of the best players? And then Rory McIlroy, I wrote about this. It's uh, a strange new world where Rory is actually a pretty terrible pressure player. Um, in fact, like, you know, go gone from one of the, the greatest uh to somebody who reliably seems to blow it in big situations. Um, and yeah, so we're in the same position now with him that we've been the last couple of years where he's playing what seems to be really good golf. You'd expect him to be in contention at at least one major this year. Uh, and the question is, uh, is that nerve going to come back or is it sort of permanently uh, fried up? Mm. I'm starting to worry, I must confess, Nathan. Yeah, there's, there's no consistency. You just sort of feel that maybe he has that week on the right week. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Yeah. If and you, that, that then maybe he takes something from that. Yeah. That and kicks on. And kicks on again. Yeah. There is the distinct possibility he could win a glut of them. He could win three out of six in a glorious 18-month period. If you have to put him at an end-of-career major number, Shane, what would you guess at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I, I wrote a thing basically asking the question of, do any of his generation have a chance to get to 10 majors? Yeah. Um, and I gave him the best shot. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. I gave Jordan Spieth the best shot with Rory being second. Kepka kind of a dark horse. And maybe Justin Thomas, a very, very dark horse, but somebody who could be promising. But I would say if I had to put a number on Rory right now, uh, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard, but I would probably settle on six. Yeah. If I were making odds, I would put the over-under on maybe 6.5. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but it seems like six is a good place. But, you know, certainly, I mean, I think Nick Faldo won five, uh, all five of his. It was all six after age 30. And all oh, of sorry, Phil's I'm not came... sure about that, actually. You could be right about that. Sorry. I, yeah, I, and I, 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 think all, I think all of Phil Mickelson's were after he was 32. So there's absolutely precedent that he could go and get 10 uh, for sure. Hmm. So it's, it's a great question. Yeah, maybe six, but it's tough to say. Just feels like the game has transformed since Mickelson and Faldo, that it feels more and more as though it's becoming a younger man's game, even talking about Ricky Fowler at 30. Yeah. Sort of feel like maybe your best years are behind you. Is Rory going to get stronger over the next decade? He can't Would get any stronger. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Can he go <laughs> to the gym anymore? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fascinating one. Um, and then Tiger. Uh, Tiger was very rusty, we should say, and we'll see him at Riviera where he doesn't have a great record. Uh, slow play has been the other big talking point this year. Um, a lot of people giving out about DeChambeau not being penalised. That's just going to continue. Slow play is here to stay, I think. Listen, DeChambeau, Saudi Arabia, all these people are just thanking Sergio Garcia yeah. because everything else just Do you know what's falls off the radar. Dustin Johnson, actually. We don't even mention when Dustin Johnson like, wins a really high-quality field in Saudi Arabia. It's just like, he's just that good, it barely merits uh, mention, and yet I still have no faith in Dustin Johnson delivering under pressure at a major. I did like the, uh, some of the conversation afterwards around, you know, if you're trying to have the deep discussion with Dustin about, well, Saudi Arabia, Dustin, like, <laughs> you know, the human rights <laughs> issues, and Dustin's like, what? what? What are you talking about? That actually legitimately, he might be able to get away with it. He's allowed to say, give him a look, free pass. I'm just a golfer, I'm not a politician. He just keeps on winning. The more he wins, the more you look at Dustin Johnson and think, one major, 
It's You'd want to step up a gear here. He is the great underperformer of that generation. He should have been in your uh, piece about who's going to get to 10. Yeah, no, I mean, he definitely won't get to 10. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's him, uh, and he's a little bit younger than guys like Justin Rose and Adam Scott, but it's the, these guys who, it's really kind of mind-boggling that they only have one major right now. But I would say, in terms of pure talent, even DJ's even a little bit higher than someone like Rose, who obviously is just playing so great right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, you know, and it's he was really unlucky at Chambers Bay. I would go, I would push back a little bit. I think Dustin Johnson under pressure is fine. Um, I just think he's had a ton of bad luck in his career. I think he should have three majors right now. Uh, and I, I think the next time he finds himself in contention, he'll be fine. Um, he's not quite Kepka, but I think he's a steady presence. I thought his U.S. Open win. Um, was actually really impressive because of the all the rules nonsense mm. that they confronted him with in the middle of the round. So I, I think DJ will get a couple more inevitably. Um, but yeah, it is. One one major is certainly too low for him. Listen, uh, great to check in. Let's uh, try and do it every couple of months and have a chat about things. Shane Ryan, uh, we uh, love your book, obviously. Slaying the, chasing the... Chasing or slaying? Slaying the tiger. Uh, I, can just, I can just feel the love <laughs> emanating as you Sorry. as you scrape book. Through the Sorry, we do love the book. We do. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's called Slaying the Tiger Slaying in America tiger. and Chasing the I think Chasing the Legends in the UK and Ireland. Oh yeah, that's the confusion. Don't get the American version. Is the advice? Yes, that's the the. the do you make more money off the American version? Um, good question. I don't know at this point, but definitely get the American version because it's not. You know, you're. Outrageous libel laws over there no. haven't watered it completely down. There are things I could tell you about Nathan Murphy on American soil that I, <laughs> I, can't, even, I can't even repeat here. Yes, get the American version and it's a uh, big two thumbs up. Listen, always good to have you on, man. Thanks, Emil. All right, thanks, guys. Sure,